Shalom. This is Gary Duroshinsky, Congregational Leader of Beth Ariel Messianic Congregation. Thank you for downloading our message. We're delighted to make it available to you through the generous donations of our members and friends at Beth Ariel. We know that many are struggling financially because of the challenges facing our economy, and we do not want financial issues to keep anyone from enjoying our teachings. So please continue to listen in as often as you like. But if our presentations have been beneficial to you, and you are able to provide a financial donation to Beth Ariel, whether large or small, would you prayerfully consider sending a gift in support of our ministry? You can donate online through our website at bethariel.org. That is spelled B-E-T-H-A-R-I-E-L dot org. Also, please remember to pray for us that we would be responsive to the Lord's guidance as we reach out to the lost sheep of the House of Israel in the greater Los Angeles area. Thank you, and I hope you enjoyed this message. Uh, but some of you, I think, might not. So my name is Josh Sofair, and I, my wife and I and our family attend here. We, August marks two years since we moved here to Southern California. So we're kind of, it's starting to feel like home, you know, where I'm getting stuck in traffic a little less, but I, I still haven't figured out the pattern. So I'm, I don't know if there is a pattern, but I still try and figure out the pattern. And, uh, yeah. So uh, we, uh, we're, we're here. I serve with Jews for Jesus, and I am, uh, serve as uh, one of our missionary staff here in Southern California. And so it's a, it's a real joy for me to be here and share with you. Uh, what I want to do is open up um, the scripture. We read two passages um, this morning, and you should have your Bibles. And if you want to open up um, your Bibles, uh, there's, we're going to be in Psalm 1 and 2. We've been going through the book of Psalms uh, in our weekly Bible study. We teach a weekly Bible study in West L.A., uh, right near the UCLA campus on Tuesday nights. And in the summer, we usually do something different. So we've been going through Psalms. And I have loved that Psalms, uh, it just speaks to every part of our emotions, every part of our life, the joys, the highs and the lows. Uh, and I had no idea that this summer would be such a emotionally uh, upheaval kind of a summer. I mean, with uh, everything going on around the world, uh, with uh, many of you know the Trank family, um, and many of you know Aaron Trank and his wife Rochelle, who attended here. They're, uh, they're Aaron's younger brother, Sean, uh, 28 years old, passed away this summer. Uh, he was diagnosed with stage 3B lung cancer. And uh, at the end of his life, uh, he was able to say, I couldn't have imagined a better life. I couldn't have imagined a better time. I'm so thankful to be with my wife and my family and my children. It's just an amazing, amazing time. And Annette and I and the girls were able to go to the memorial service uh, and, then, and then coming back. And so, so Psalms has been great. And so what I want to do is share with you some of uh, what we've been going through and, and these first two chapters in the book of Psalms, which start out with this idea of happy or blessed, as some of the translations in your Bibles may say. In Hebrew, the word is ashrei, and ashrei means happy. Okay, now, Jews don't always like happy, okay? Jewish people, you kind of think happy. 
that's for other people, right? Okay, so here's a book um, that uh, I've read and I, I really love. I would recommend it to you. All right, my thing just popped off. Um, I would recommend it to you. It's called It's called Born to Kvetch. And it's a book about Jewish culture written by this guy, Michael Wex. And he writes, uh, he's a linguist, and he writes about uh, Hebrew and Yiddish in particular. And he says that in Yiddish and in Jewish culture, complaining has reached a level of perfection. (laughs) We have mastered complaining. And we continue to work on mastering complaining. So there's a joke. I told Chuck this joke. I'll tell you the joke. Two Jewish guys, uh, well, no, one Jewish guy, one non-Jewish guy, they work in New York City, and they're taking the train up to, you know, Westchester County to go home. Okay, long day, and they are, uh, they sit next to each other, and they're opening up the paper, and uh, maybe about 10, 15 minutes into the, the trip, uh, the Jewish guy starts. Oy, am I thirsty. Oh, thirsty, thirsty, oh, such a long day, I'm hot. He's not talking to anybody in particular, he's just talking, right? Oh, am I thirsty. So, the next guy, who's not Jewish, reading the paper, he's listening to this on and on and on, finally closes the paper, walks to the end of the train, and gets a cup of water. Now, New York City, there's no water on the train, but it's my story, and I can do whatever I want in my story. So in my story, there's water on the train. And so he gets a cup of water, and then he thinks, and he goes back and he gets another cup of water, two cups, and he brings it back to the Jewish guy, and he says, here. And he says, how did you know I was thirsty? <laughs> and, and so he says, oh, this is great. You know, I'm, I was, oh, so, so he drinks the water, and he says, oh, this is great great, so refreshing, thank you, you know, I I really appreciate it, and then he says, okay, good, you know, so, all right, this is done, I can enjoy the paper, so he opens his paper, and maybe five, three to five minutes it starts, oi, was I thirsty, oh, thirsty, thirsty, so, so if you understand that joke, you can understand Jewish culture, okay, so, Born to Kvetch. Happy is a funny concept, right? And this is a Jewish book. It's Psalms. Happy is not like, oh, I'm happy because I went to see a movie yesterday and it was great. Happy has the idea of being completely and totally satisfied. Being at at your best. And, And many of us have these moments. A lot of the times it's when we were children. And that we were, for me, it almost always involves food on some level or another, where we were with family or we were with friends, we had something great to eat, we were in a great place, and there are these moments in your life that you're just totally satisfied. It's it. And that's the idea of ashray. That's the idea of happy in this passage. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So the book of Psalms, just to give you a little bit of an overview, is a very interesting book. 
First of all, Psalms 1 and 2 are the intro to the book of Psalms. Psalms 1 and 2 are actually probably one psalm. Why? Because they both, one starts and one ends with the same word, ashray, happy. Psalm 1 starts out, blessed is the man or happy is the man. And Psalm 2 ends with happy are all those who put their trust in him or find their refuge in him. That same word links these two psalms together as one. Now, the book of Psalms is not a random collection. Nobody, um, there, it's not as if these psalms, somebody threw them up into the air, and wherever they landed, that was going to be one, two, three, four, five. They were put together in a very thoughtful way. And so this is uh, uh, a thoughtful, edited uh, group compendium of psalms that follow a particular plan. Interestingly, in Psalm 1, it says uh, in verse 2 that his delight is in the law of the Lord. That word law is Torah. And very often, the, the Torah, the first five books of Moses, is compared to the book of Psalms. There's five books in the book of Psalms. There's five books in the Torah. The Torah, the first five books of the Bible, features Moses. The Psalms features David. The first five books of the Bible feature redemption from Egypt. The Psalms feature redemption by the hand of the Messiah. The first five books of the Bible feature a prophet. The book of Psalms features a king. The rabbis actually saw this. And they said that as Moses gave us the five books of the law, so too David gave us the five books of the Psalms. The Psalms is like another Torah. And you can see it that way, and it was that way on purpose. And so these two first chapters and this idea of happy is the kind of overview and gives you a sense of where we're going, okay? And then the, in this idea that it is the Torah, it is both instruction and teaching and lessons, but it's also a measuring rod. The Psalms become for us a way to see ourselves, and we're going to, at the end of the, uh, the, the message, we're actually going to take a couple of minutes to, to take some time in quiet reflection and be able to see how these things affect us. And then finally, and importantly, the Psalms are about the king of Israel. The Psalms speak about a king who is a perfect king. The Psalms speak about one who would lead us to a place of Uh, of a new kingdom that is better than this world, that is better than the life that we have. The Psalms speak about the person of the Messiah. And there's much to say in the book of Psalms about doing this and doing that and doing this, but Psalms is not about muscling it through. Oh, you wicked person. No, we're all wicked people. The Psalms proclaims the one who is the king who ushers in a new kingdom and invites us to be one of his servants, a good king, a righteous king, one who loves and cares for his people. Amen?
So, with that, let me, uh, let's open up to this psalm, Psalm 1, and let me just, we're going to walk through for a few minutes these psalms. Because the, the, the scripture itself uh, is able to speak to us in a wonderful way. Psalm 1, blessed is the man who has not walked in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful, or scoffers. Okay, in Hebrew, there's poetry. This is poetry. But in Hebrew, poetry doesn't rhyme. Okay, so you don't have... Roses are red, violets are bluish. When you're in love, the whole world is Jewish, okay? That doesn't work that way. It's, it's in Hebrew, the poetry um, usually uses contrasts. And it usually uses what's called a parallel lines or parallelism. And so here you see this. You see uh, this person who doesn't, blessed is a man who does not walk, Stand or sit. Those three lines are supposed to be parallel to each other. And then there is a, 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 a contrast here between what that life is like as the righteous person and what the life is like as the person who does not walk in this way. And one is compared to a tree. Solid. Long-standing. Immovable able to weather storms. Tall, which I kind of like. (laughs) And that this is the idea of the righteous man, is a tree that is contrasted by chaff. Now, what's chaff? Chaff is, when you have a a great... So, what did I do? I did what most people do when they don't know. I Googled it, right? And so, I... Like, yeah, like all of you that Gail and will Google later today. Okay. So, so, we, so the idea is that I, I, uh, the chaff is this kind of coating that goes around a grain. And the chaff is uh, something that, uh, as grain is growing, is there to protect the grain. But for us, actually is something that we can't digest. We can't eat. Uh, And so if we are going to eat the grain and have the nutrients from the grain, we have to get rid of the chaff. And in ancient times, this was done through uh, three different elements. The first is you harvest the wheat, and then you break the chaff off. How do you do that? Normally, the wheat that was harvested would be laid out on a a big flat surface, usually a big stone or something like that, and animals would walk on it. You would beat it. Um, You would do whatever you could to break up that chaff, uh, and that's called threshing. And then the the last thing that would happen is then then you would take all this mixture and you would go, go up to a high usually a high hill where it's a little windy, and you throw it up in the air, and the lighter chaff would kind of blow away, and what you would be left with is grain, and then you'd grind it up and make flour, or you could do any number of different things with it. But what you're doing is you're releasing all of that, uh, the health of the grain so that you can eat. Now, the tree is contrasted with that chaff. The tree is what the righteous is like. The chaff is what the unrighteous is like. One stands t- 
tall, strong. One is light and blows away in the wind. The tree is planted by rivers of water. And this is really a great picture, I think, especially for us in Southern California. Because we know when you're driving around or you're out of the city or something like that, you can always tell where there's a spring or where there's a river. Because there's trees. That they have constant nutrients. That, that the, the, the fruitfulness, and that's the third idea, the fruitfulness of that tree is ensured. That's contrasted with the chaff that you and I can't even digest. Now, you might want to eat that as part of a diet, right? You might like that. (laughs) But the, the reality is chaff has nothing for us. And actually, it's used to just be thrown away. And animals eat it. That's the idea. And so you see this contrast between the righteous and the unrighteous the righteous and the wicked, you see this idea about what defines uh, this life of being blessed or being happy. What's it like? It's like that. Psalm 1 continues in the last verse and says that the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. And you have this idea, this introduction of this idea of the way. Very often you see in the book of Psalms is that the life of the wicked and the life of the righteous, they're like a hair apart. Sometimes it's hard to tell who's better. We've all had this experience, right? I know people who are not people who have any godly sense at all, and they're much better human beings, right? And often, there are better human beings than we are. (laughs) It's hard to tell. You know, it's hard to acknowledge that. And then there's other times where we look at people who are righteous, you know, people who, who, who are, you know, proclaim God at every moment, and you think, you gotta be kidding me. So sometimes it's not so easy to see. But what Psalms 1 and Psalm 2 are talking about is the way. Which is the direction that you're going in life? What is your way? What's your north star? What's the point on the horizon that you are going? Are you going in the way of the wicked or the way of the righteous? And that idea of the way, of this way or that, is introduced here. This is part of the measuring rod that we need to ask ourselves. In the midst of emotion, in the midst of anger, in the midst of fear, in the midst of joy, in the midst of everything, how do we walk? This is the way of the righteous. And Psalm 1 introduces the way of the righteous. Psalm 2 introduces the righteous king. Immediately, when Psalm 2 starts, in the first couple of verses, we have the nations in a rage, the people plotting, and the kings plotting against the Lord. And the Lord sitting in heaven on a throne as a king, laughing, holding them in derision. Verse 6, yet I have set my king on my holy hill in Zion. 
The Lord will declare the decree. Only a king gives a decree. That the Lord has said to me, you are my son, today I've begotten you. What you have in this second chapter is the king, the righteous king. And you are introduced to two sides of the coin of of how it is that we are to live as righteous people. One is that we are to live righteous lives. And two, we're to serve the righteous king. Many of us, when we became believers in Jesus, believers in Yeshua, we accepted him as Lord and Savior. Savior is a whole lot easier than Lord. Lord is king. Savior is rescue. And we are to live lives as righteous people, according to the book of Psalms, as people who acknowledge that righteous king. We are not the king. And our life is not all about us. It is about him. Verse 10 in chapter 2, Now therefore be wise, O kings, be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are those, Ashrei, happy. Blessed are those who put their trust in him. The life of the godly person, the life of the way of the righteous includes these two aspects. One is we are to live righteous lives. And second, we are to serve the righteous king. We have to understand that both of those things are true. Okay, so some, some implications that, uh, that I've thought about and that we've talked about. Uh, it, one of them is the company we keep matters. Did you catch that first verse? The the uh, so, yeah the first verse in Psalm one. Blessed is he who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. Guilt does come by association, because what happens is when you walk among the guilty, you slow down. You catch that in the in the passage? You're walking and then you're standing and you're checking it out and then all of a sudden you're sitting down and you're not moving anymore. You're planted. The company we keep matters. And it's easy to say I'm a parent of two teenage girls. And it's easy to think about this, oh we're talking to teenagers here. But the reality is we're talking to all of us. The company we keep matters. And the things that we allow into our life matter. We're in a media-saturated city in the middle of a media-saturated world. What do you watch? What do you listen to? What do you read? How do you think? Some of us, you know, it's, it's movies, it's morality. Some of us, I have to tell you, it's news. Some of you need to turn off Fox News. Some of you need to turn off CNN. Not forever. You don't go live in a hole. But for an hour. It's not going to kill you. 
And believe me, they don't have very more, many more things happening. They're just going to do the same nine stories over and over again. Take some time to pray. Take some time. Read the word. That's what it says here, is that the, uh, but his, the, the contrast of this person is that his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. That's where we get our strength and our sustenance. The company we keep matters. Second, the king we serve matters. You know, uh, I, I know Gary is fond of, of, of quoting, uh, um, uh, what's his name, Bob Dylan. And many of you kind of have a lot of Bob Dylan sense in you. I grew up in Berkeley, California, so Bob Dylan, we were weaned on Bob Dylan in Berkeley, okay? And uh, so, but, but he said, you know, you're going to serve somebody. And it's, it's a great song, but it's a great truth. You are going to serve somebody. Who's your king? Is it God? Is it him? Or is it you? Is it career? Is it wealth? Is it our children? Is it the acclaim of other people? And man, is that hard to do. We lived in New York City for almost 20 years. And, and one, of the, uh, one of the great joys, there's a lot of things I love about New York, but, but one of the, the great joys about New York was just living in, in, in the, you know, in, in the flow, you know, living in the, in the kind of the ruckus of the city. I love it. I love it. And there's all kinds of things that you would see all the time. And if you watch people and you pay attention. Um, and when our kids started going to school, um, we, you know, we love our children. Our children are great. You know, they're successful. They're good. And then there was aptitude tests. And aptitude tests put them in different categories. And then all of a sudden, I had a child that was in a category and a child that wasn't in a category. Who are you to say? And now I'm starting to feel all of the pressure of everybody looking at me, which they weren't, it was me, and all of these things. And it is crushing. More the reason why I have to find myself rooted in the word of God rooted in scripture, rooted in understanding who I am. Because if I'm not careful, I'm going to serve any number of different kings. And probably none of them are the right one. And third, happy, blessed, satisfied is the way it's supposed to be. It is amazing how easy we can be unhappy. We, I mean, first of all, we live in a, in a country that is just chock full of everything, right? You know, you go to the grocery store and, you know, there's only, what, 40 kinds of cereal, you know? And, you know, that's not even the organic aisle, uh, I, I mean, like we need more choice, you know, and we are in, a, we're in a place of abundance 
And I'm thankful for that. I love that. And all of us, on some level, I think, do. We appreciate that we live here. We like the opportunities that we have. Our, Our families can grow. We can prosper. That's part of what we love about being here. Um, But ironically, we are unhappy, incredibly unhappy. And, you know, it's just striking to me that in me and and in others, and I'll tell you this one story. Annette and I were, um, when we lived in New York, and then we spent a year in Portland, Oregon, and I was in seminary, grad school, and we were looking for an apartment, and um, we just, or a or house or something, and we just couldn't find anything in the right area, and it wasn't, it wasn't big enough for us, or it was run the wrong, whatever it was. And it was difficult, and, and I remember going on a walk with her and saying, and complaining, I certainly wasn't happy. I, I wasn't doing any of this, actually. I was basically all the things you're not supposed to do, that's what I was doing, and we were walking. She had to bear the brunt of all of that, right? And I, so I said, look, it's not like I'm doing something wrong. I believe in Jesus. <laughs> I'm going to seminary. I'm trying to learn more about the Bible. Why can't we just have a house? And Annette turned to me. Well, she didn't really turn to me. She just kind of looked down at the ground because she probably didn't want to look at my face. And she said, why do you think you deserve any of this? And it was one of those moments. All right, I did exactly what you just did. And I, because she's right, you know, again. And, and the thing is, but the, but, but, the, but the truth is, is that our happiness ought not to depend on any of those things. And ironically, we all have this experience where we know people who have far less than we do, yet are significantly more happy than we are. Right? And you just kick yourself and you think, ugh, come on. But the reality is, happy is the way it's supposed to be. Satisfied is the way God wants your life to be. And so some of us have tricked ourselves into thinking that this is right. Born to Kvetch. Complaining is the way it's supposed to be. But it's not. Happy is the way it's supposed to be. That should be our point on the horizon as we navigate through. And ironically, happy is the way it's supposed to be. Psalm 3 starts out this. Lord, how they have increased those who trouble me. (laughs) Right out of the chute, man. You are into it. But that's life. And that's the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms allows us to be brought into something different. And there's one last thing that I want to remind us of. Is that the final implication of this is that this is not some sort of an instruction manual. And if you follow this and if you get 90% on the exam, then you're going to get an A. So you better get to it, buddy. No. Psalm 1 
uh, are, does anyone have the 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 newer Bibles? Uh, do you have that? Uh, anybody have that open? Okay, you read someone, right? Just read the first line. Happy is the one who has not walked. Okay. Good. Happy is the one who has not walked. Actually, that's more accurate to the Hebrew. Maybe this passage is not just talking about some hypothetical man, but maybe this passage is talking about one specific man. Maybe this passage, Psalm 1, is not just talking about how you and I are to live, but actually telling us that there will be one when it was written, and for our perspective, there has been one who has not walked in the counsel of the wicked, who has not sat in the path of sinners, or stood in the, or whatever else they're doing. That that one one has been planted. The one does delight in the Lord. That Psalm 2 talks about um, this verse in verse 7, I declare the decree, the Lord has said to me, you are my son today, I have begotten you. Certainly in this book, in the book of Psalms, this is about David, but it's also about the Messiah. It's also looking forward to the person who would be yet to come. So you and I, as we set out in our lives to follow him, to walk the way of the righteous, we're not alone. It's not about us muscling it out, but it's about God making a promise to you and me of a righteous way of a righteous king and allowing us to join in on what he has done for us. If you're here, and that doesn't quite make sense, let me be a little bit more clear. The man that's talked about in Psalm 1 is the person Jesus. That he is the one, or Yeshua, that he is the one who has lived a perfect life. Something that we can't do. And in his life that is perfect, he didn't keep that for himself and achieve and amass whatever. But he actually extended the benefit of that to us. He invites us to follow him in what he has done. He is also the king. As David sat on the throne, so he sits on the throne. As David was the promised one of Israel, so he is the promised one of Israel. As David was the son of God, so he is the son of God. And that king invites you and I to be his people. But we have to say yes. He throws us a rope. We have to receive the rope and be brought into the boat. So this is not just about us, but it's about the one who has been promised to us. And that's why we believe that Yeshua, Jesus, is the Messiah. That's why we choose to submit our lives to him. At the end, or at the beginning, I mentioned that, that the book of Psalms is an instruction, and it's also a measuring rod. It's a way for us to look at ourselves and certainly the book of Psalms is that. We, I see myself in every psalm. And I think most of us, when we read it, we do too. Fear, uh, being trapped, misunderstood, lonely, joyful, thankful, 
uh, sometimes obedient, sometimes disobedient. That's one of the reasons why we love the book of Psalms. We see ourselves in the book of Psalms. And so, for that, we then are invited to take the passage that we're looking at in this passage today and use it as a measuring rod for ourselves. So, are you happy? Okay, I'm not looking for an answer. (laughs) Thank you, but I appreciate it. But here, so it's rhetorical. So, are you happy? Uh, Are you satisfied? Are you living the righteous way? Are you planted by a river full of water? Or are you planted next to a, a dried up pond? Are you serving a king who has promised us life? Or are you serving a king of your own making? There's a lot of questions to be asked, and you are perfectly able to ask them as well as I am. So here's what we're going to do. At the, uh, after my message, we're going to receive an offering. So right now, I'm actually going to ask the ushers to come forward, uh, and I'm going to pray for the message and pray for the offering. And I know that uh, at times, we have as a congregation... Um, Applauded. I'm going to ask you not to do that. I know you love me. I know you appreciate me. But I'm going to ask you instead to take some time in quiet reflection, as the musicians can come up to. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray, and then we're going to be quiet. Silence is an interesting thing. Because silence, um, it reminds us that... that um, It's just us. Find a spot. You can close your eyes. You can look down at a spot on the floor. Do whatever you need to do to find your own space. Ask yourself this question. Am I happy? Where am I planted? How can I use this passage as a measuring rod for me? And we're going to take a few moments and be quiet. And then afterwards, uh, we'll receive our offering. Afterwards, we'll begin to worship together. Father, thank you for this book. Thank you for your promises. Lord, thank you for outlining it for us the righteous way. Lord, thank you for giving us the righteous king. Lord, thank you that you have chosen for us and chosen for all people blessings, happiness. That is what you desire. And Father, I pray now that as we take some time to look at our own lives, to think about our own lives, I pray that we would respond to you. That as we've opened scripture, as we've worshipped, that we would respond to you. And I pray that you would speak to our hearts. In the mighty name of Yeshua, our Messiah. Amen. Thank you for listening to our message. We hope that it serves to encourage you in your walk with the Lord and your service to him. Do remember us in your prayers, and if you are able to provide a financial donation to Beth Ariel, whether large or small, would you prayerfully consider sending a gift in support of our ministry? You can donate online through our website at bethariel.org. That is spelled B-E-T-H-A-R-I-E-L dot org.
Thank you again, and may our Heavenly Father richly bless you as you continue to follow Him. Shalom, shalom.